Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. Welcome back to Bryland Discs. Um, I'm back for Ollie's been doing a great job taking the show on, and I'm just back for the last few weeks of term before I leave. And tonight in our in the studio, we've got someone who's actually the most rehearsed member of staff we've had on the show so far because he's already done a show <laughs> that we didn't record. <laughs> so if you heard parts of it, you're gonna have a a take two, or I think it's changed a bit. Miss Doctor Backer has been thinking about his tracks, and he's changed a few of them. We'll discuss why. Um, Anyway, Dr. Bakra, you are head of pastoral care at Bryanston, for people who don't know. And you've been you've had a huge role in, in shaping young people's lives at Bryanston to think about, think critically about the lives they lead and especially tackling big issues like mental health, race, climate change. Um, there are a multitude of issues that you sort of unpick and make them more accessible to young people, but you also I know that you're a believer in not forcing people to think in a certain way, but actually letting them have their own interpretation and think about their own way of looking at the world. And I just wonder how you manage to break down these huge topics to make them relatable to 15-year-olds on a Thursday morning, period two. That's quite an introduction, (laughs) Emily. Um, There's quite a broad range of things you talk about there, but I suppose all of us, decide our values either upon our own experiences or upon the people we've been exposed to. And uh, growing up, I went, to, uh, I went to a local primary school, which I loved. Then I went to a grammar school. And uh, you sort of left, left your own devices when you're traveling on the bus to and from a grammar school. And so you're exposed to quite a lot of different aspects of society. And I think for anybody who's encountered difficult situations or difficult experiences and not really had a chance to talk about it, you tend to become a little bit less judgmental uh, um, uh, with other people and you tend to try to empathise with what they might be experiencing, what they they might be going through. So, I mean, any of those topics you've mentioned, I think it just comes down to a question of, of, of authenticity, that what is it like to be you? Rather than what is it like to be me, um, I remember. I remember listening to a podcast once, and there's this f- fantastic phrase where one of the guys was saying, "I'm not what I think I am, and I'm not what you think I am. I am what I think you think I am." <laughs> so it's that it's that correlation between finding ourselves and then trying to work out whether we've been influenced by other people's thoughts of it. So I suppose most of my ideas of teaching or interacting with, with students or even just with human beings is can, can other people find their own authentic selves? Mm. And I think you, you relate to young people a lot. Would you say, is that because you've got an inner child that sort of reminds <laughs> you, I know what it's like to be a 15-year-old, uh, or do you just make sure, remind yourself you can't, you've um, got to... I, I would imagine that some of the people I work with uh, find me uh, quite juvenile in the way I go about things. 
I, I tend to be a little bit chaotic, a little bit disorganized, but I think I spend more time thinking about things. So looking at a big pile of mess in front of me is, isn't the first thing that comes to mind. It's just thinking about the topic, which I reckon is quite a childlike quality. Well, I think it's not thinking in the grey, looking at things in black and white and being clear, isn't it? To, that's how children, and I know that's how we think when we're sort of seven, we have a very clear picture of the world and it's sort of foggy as it goes, yeah. it's foggy as we yeah. get older. Yeah. Um, but looking at your next, or your first track, the logical song, tell us why you've chosen it. Um, I, I think it's a song that anybody who's been to boarding school, and I haven't been to boarding school, I think it's a song that anybody who's been to boarding school can, can, they can relate to that. It's actually uh, written, written by Supertramp and was released on the album uh, um, Breakfast in America. And it was, um, it's still quite an iconic album. Actually, the album cover is quite iconic as well. It has uh, a waitress, uh, American waitress, holding a sort of tray. Um, but um, the, the two co-founders of Supertramp were, were Rick Davis and Roger Hodgson. And Roger Hodgson, who's credited with writing this song, went to, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Woodcut School, I think. And then he went on to Stowe. And this song, the logical song, is about... Um, going away to a different school and what boarding school tries to in, tries to teach you, but uh, or not teach you or try to beat out of you, as it was in those days. But it's relevant to me because I love my primary school, and then I was sort of sent away to this grammar school where I had to catch two buses and endure all sorts of hellish people on the way. So it just it it, it speaks to that. That, that antagonism that comes with teenagers and education on a personal level uh, it reminds me very much of um, spending time with my sister who's 12 years older than me and her life was very diff- different to my life uh, in that my parents were much stricter with her um, but they're, they're Punjabi migrant parents and there's this idea that when somebody leaves a country their clock stops their views of what life should be like was very much stuck in, or certainly my father's was stuck, stuck in those 1950s Punjab in India. So my sister Vera didn't go out much, wasn't allowed out much, So, but I used to sneak up to her room and she'd sort of play records for me and this is one of the songs that she would, she would play.
Um, Dr. Bakra, you in during the song you mentioned you had a favourite part of that uh, song. Can you tell us what it is and why? <laughs> well, I, I, the song the songs change. I think the song changes. Your interpretation of songs changes you as you as you, as you grow with the song. And I used to enjoy all that sort of sort of self question, the self reflection of t- tell me who I am and just thinking, watch what you say. They'll be they'll be calling you radical. But it's the, it's the sort of solos, it's the um, the sort of the saxophone solo in the, in the sort of middle of it. That um, that uh, as I got a bit older, got to my twenties, uh, I thought I wanted to learn. I wanted to learn an instrument, so I, I picked the saxophone. I'm still sort of bravely mm. messing around with it from time to time. But um, oh, yeah, the solos are, are, I think, are always a crucial bit of a song. And going back to young, young Dr. Bakra, when um, you lived in this sort of interesting childhood with a sort of split, obviously you've been in England and you're, you just mentioned your, your parents were very traditional, um, maintaining this Punjab sort of tradition. How did, you, how did you sort of deal with that? And I don't know, how did you break, break away, push the boundaries or did you find it quite sort of rooting? Um. I, I, I think I had very few roots when I was younger, and uh, my my father's first wife uh, died. Um, uh, she had she had cancer and she died. So my my sister, I was talking about my sister. She actually my half sister. She's twelve years older than me. So all, all of the family, all the local community, um, people who'd come over from India at a particular time, most of the children were of a certain age. All among about seven to fifteen years older than me, so I was the sort of youngest in the group. So, sort of left my own devices, and that also meant I was sort of kept free from all these, all the negative aspects of of Punjabi or cultural traditions. But it also meant that I didn't really have exposure or was or have positive aspects of identity ingrained either but what were the can you mention the, what were the negative impacts or the negative aspects that you just well it, uh, it's a very i mean it's both a punjabi and a uh, and a sikh background and the irony of, of sikhism is that uh, it, the religion preaches the, the oneness of all people and that there isn't a caste system and that everybody should be viewed as equally yet within within india there is a strong belief in the caste system so my mother would say well you know we're all Sikhs we should treat each other equally that's fantastic but she'd also refer to certain people oh they come from a family of shoemakers and they come from a family of uh, of sweepers Uh, I don't mind is what she would say but there's still the identification of it so the hierarchical element was one and um, there were huge gender differentials of course there were I mean Girls weren't allowed to, with my sister, weren't allowed to go out. You had to be respectful. So you had very different treatment uh, compared to your sister who was yeah. a, a girl. Oh, who was a girl, of course. Yeah, uh, 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 I certainly did. But also when you're growing up, seeing all these things and unfolding in front of you, you become, become very aware and very attuned to learning how to operate in and around people. You just don't want to upset anybody and get the wrong side of them so and tell us about your next track um sanu geek pal chain that i've that's not a bad pronunciation oh, <laughs> um uh, it's a 
it is a song which is a quality song, um, which is uh, a, a, an Indian classical song. I say Indian, uh, India before partition was India and Pakistan and beyond. And quality music is grounded in sort of Sufism. Uh, I chose this song because it, I never really appreciated it when I was younger. Uh, my, my, one of my uncles, who's a colonel in the Indian Army, used to come and visit every year. And he'd come and visit, stop off in, in, in Yorkshire, in Bradford, and then carry him up to Scotland, so he'd spend a few days with us. Um, because his closest friends were all Scottish, and they'd all fought in the Second World War in Africa together. And he and my father would sit down and would play quali music. And um, when I talked about the solos a little earlier, Quali music has the same scales that do re mi, but in Indian classical music, there is there isn't that same clear cut transition between them. There's a sort of a, I think it's called a vibrato or tremolo effect where you move up between the notes up and down, and so people would begin by sitting in these big groups and singing, and people would warm up their voices by going up and down the scales and. Uh, it to me it sounded like someone's in pain because they'd be going they'd just be using the word ah so instead of saying do re mi you ah you go up and up and down and come and say dad what's going on here these guys are in pain <laughs> uh, and uh, my dad would get very angry and so I just leave um, but he and my uncle would sit down over a glass of whiskey and you'd listen to this and you'd you'd understand when you get a little older, that it's people being losing themselves in music. And I, I wouldn't have chosen uh, a track from, from, from Indian classical music, but I listened to a, 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 um, tracks of my years on Radio 4, I think it was Robert Plant, and he picked a Bollywood song, and he was brought up around, uh, around Birmingham, in West Bromwich, and he remembered the smells of curry coming out of, local families and he would go and see his friends and they'd be playing Bollywood music and I thought actually maybe it's time I was brave enough to reveal a little bit about my own background and the influences and Sufism and this song Sanuik Balchenio Ave translates as uh, it's very difficult to translate it means Sanu uh, to me I, I can't have a, a moment's rest Sajana to existing without you um, means that uh, I can't be at peace with myself unless I'm with you. Now you can interpret this as uh, a relationship with God, mm-hmm. but also you can relate, relate it to a relationship with another person. So Sufism relates the romantic and the, and the spiritual, and there's very little division between them. Sajana, 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 Sajana,
ਸਜਣਾ ਤੇਰੇ ਬਿਨਾ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਇੱਕ ਪਲ ਚੈਨ ਨਾ ਆਵੇ ਸਾਨੂੰ ਇੱਕ ਪਲ ਚੈਨ ਨਾ ਆਵੇ ਸਜਣਾ ਤੇਰੇ ਬਿਨਾ ਸਜਣਾ sister Vera because I know she had a huge um, part in your life as any sister or brother would but... she did um, I think she was a, a bit of an outsider because she actually wasn't allowed outside so she was the outsider in the house um, but her, her, she had a passion for music and shared that passion, passion with me um, I think I always sense there was a lot of sadness within her when when I was growing up and uh, she was probably the person I was closest to but I hadn't sort of realized that it was life was getting a bit too difficult for her I think she felt that she had to get married or that there was going to be not an arranged marriage but an introductory marriage she went to university went to Keele University and then came back one day when I was 12 years old and she uh, came to my room and she said, I'm leaving tomorrow. I said, please don't tell mum and dad. I'm, I'm going. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm running away. I don't want to be found and I, I'm just going. So I, I had to sit with that all evening. I, I, I remember it really quite clearly. Was, can't be, can't be true. And then the following day, I woke up early, I went downstairs, and I can sounds a bit cliched, but there was literally a letter on the mantelpiece. We had a, a mantelpiece for the fire, and it said to mum and dad, and waited for mum and dad to come down. Dad opened it and read it, and then distanced their word. So, yeah, my sister Vera was a huge influence, but then the, 
at the age of 12, she's disappeared. Mm. I had no idea where she'd gone. It was, it was a few years before we made contact again. But yeah, she was a huge, she was a huge influence just because she gave, gave me time, gave me love. And I think that was a sort of subconscious learning point for me in that if we just give people time and love, then we form bonds. And your, did your parents accept that she'd left or, or did they? That's one of these things. You just never talk about it again. No. So um, I didn't raise it. Just was, went, carried on my way to grammar school and just never heard from her and never talked about it again. But talking about things, I mean, obviously it's a huge part of mental health now is to keep it out in the open. And for you not having that at home, how have you been, how have you kind of taught yourself to talk? You know what I mean? Uh, well, I think there's that old adage, you're either, you're either, you're either growing or you're dying. So you, you suffer a trauma. Perhaps we don't talk enough about trauma in all of our lives. Sometimes there's this perception you go to a posh school and you're going to pay all this money to go to a posh school and you can't, you know, nothing could possibly go wrong for you in life. And crikey, we all have to deal with some degree of trauma. Um, so simple choice. You either get beaten down by the situation you're facing or you decide what, what, what it is you want to make of it. And I know that Tracy Chapman was something that Vera used to listen to and you used to... Well, actually, no, she, oh, no. she, she didn't. So I'll tell you why I picked the next song, uh, which, is, which is by Tracy Chapman. Um, so Vera had left and uh, about the age of 15, uh, I decided I might try and get, try and find her. I have no idea how I'm going to find her. But I knew she'd done um, sociology at Keele University, so I just made the assumption she's going to be a social worker. And in those days, you, you, you had the yellow pages, but you also could get into a phone box and dial the operator. Mm-hmm. And so I saved up these 10 pence pieces and 20 pence pieces because we had a, a, a phone booth at school. And you know, at break times, I'd sort of phone up, and I thought, I'll start from the bottom of the country, start with Cornwall. I no idea where any of these places were. <laughs> and um, just phoned around, and I spent a few days doing that, maybe a week or so, and eventually I got through to some social services, maybe it's Warwickshire. And I said, do you, did you have a Vera Bakra work in there? She said, no, we don't, but we did about six months ago. <gasps> oh. um, she's gone back, she's gone to Manchester to do a master's. So following day, I... Got my 20 pence pieces, got the phone, phoned up uh, Manchester, tried to get through to the sociology department, and this lovely lady answered and I said, do you have a Vera Backer? And she said, well, why? I explained my story. I said, it's my sister. I'm looking for my sister. So she said, well, phone back tomorrow. I'll see if I have any more information. And what she'd done is she'd gone to find Vera, explain that I'd been in contact. Mm-hmm. And the next day when I phoned at 10.45 at break time, um, Vera answered the phone. I had my first conversation in three years with, with Vera. But of course, I couldn't tell my parents. And Vera was living in quite a rough area, Manchester, uh, Hume, most of which is, was knocked down and rebuilt. So I'd sneak off to go and see my sister for two or three years until at the age of 17. I'd said to my parents, I've got a cricket fixture, I've got a rugby fixture. Nobody cared where I went. So I used to make my own way there on trains and buses. So I'd go and see V. And whilst I was with with me. We went out shopping and I bought my first ever album, which was Tracy Chapman by Tracy Chapman. Regardless of its personal meaning, 
I still think it's one of the best albums ever written. Mm. And all the probably the most famous song from its fast car. Uh, my my choice from that is talking about a revolution because it's the song of song of hope. And I think as a teenager, when you want to see change in the world, and you think it's coming, it's coming. So my next song is talking about revolution. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution sounds whisper. Don't you know? Talking about a revolution sounds like a whisper. While they're standing in the welfare lines, crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation, wasting time in the unemployment lines, sitting around. Get there, yeah. Poor people gonna rise up and take what's there. psychology that we just had a little sort of off-air uh, talk through and Ollie just asked a really great question which was yeah no so Dr Bakra we were, we were just chatting actually about so uh, child psychology did uh did through your experiences which we were just chat- chatting about before the song actually did uh, your experience influence um your decision to go into child psychology today or was that completely no. independent no, uh, no you sort of most people will admit they just sort of stumble through life and you just get to a point. I'm always quite um, uh, admiring of, of kids, especially kids here who say, right, I know what I want to do. I want to do this. I want to go to art school. I'm going to go and do this. Um, that's amazing. And because you kind of always told, decide what you want to do and then pick your path and then pick your choices along the way. I had no idea. I went to Manchester University um, just so I could be a little bit close to Vera. Um, uh, although she was then talking to my parents by then. Uh, and uh, I was playing sport at a decent level. Uh, I was I was paid to play rugby and cricket. You know, it's not much, but you get a couple hundred pounds for a 
for playing rugby and winning, then I didn't leave university with any debt, but then had a very bad knee injury and didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life and I was messing around. And my old head of, my old form tutor, an incredible chap called Pete Hewley, uh, I went to visit him. He said, well, just come and work here part-time. So I went back to work at my old school, Bradford Grammar. And he, he is probably in teaching my single biggest influence because he, uh, he was a force of nature. He was head of economics. He could have been anything. He could have been a headmaster. He, didn't really, he wasn't particularly ambitious in that respect. He was ambitious for his, for his kids and ambitious for us. So I fell into teaching and therefore thinking about enjoying time with kids and working with kids in the same way that Pete worked with me. The psychology element is just a natural progression of wanting to know a bit more rather than thinking that this is a this is a route I want to take. But business, I mean, you're a business teacher. How does, because I mean, from my, under, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I'm not in business at all, sort of academically, but it's, it's quite a, a ruthless thing to teach kids because it is a ruthless area and it's an ungenuine area or can be on a sort of, large scale really? but you're well, well, I don't know I don't know but, it, but I mean uh, teaching that is it's it's I don't know what what made you just what made you want to teach well it? I went uh, Pete Cooley made me want to teach economics and business that's why I fell into it but uh, uh, you know interesting you do a lot of work with the, with the Green Committee does some incredible work but ultimately you're looking to change the way businesses operate and there's mm. so much money to be made in in environmentally friend, friendly products and environmentalism that even it's that it in itself has become a, a business so i don't necessarily consider it to be a ruthless uh, pursuit um because there are wonderful philanthropists i think business and money and profits and the making of profits is the way to make society better the the issue is who makes it and what they do with it it's not money that's the that's the root of all evil. Look at how much money foundations give away. It's, it's it's incredible. And the other point I'd make is that business isn't really about money. Business is always about people. If I understand you, uh, I understand what you want, or I can understand what would make you interested in something, then I can sell you things. Mm. So business is entirely about people. And the most successful businesses, you look at, listen to people like Simon Sinek now, uh, and there's a fantastic book called um, uh, The Culture Code, which essentially focuses on successful companies getting there because they look after people. So I, I take objection <laughs> to the, to the, well, maybe to the concept of ruthlessness. Oh, well, that's really interesting. And... Your next track, Counting Crows, is one that you had on the original list. So I know it's a, I know it's a special one. Tell us about that one. Uh, well, I was thinking if you're going to be stuck on a desert island, you need a song that when you hear it, you're going to get up and you're going to dance. And so the first, the first album, Breakfast America, was from the 1970s, and Tracy Chapman was released in 1988, and this one was released in 1993. Um, again, one of my favourite albums. Um, August and Everything After by The Counting Crows. Uh, my wife Sarah uh, uh, hates th- this singer, just thinks <laughs> that they're just 
uh, whining all the time. I think my, my boys take the mick out of me as well. Um, but most of the songs on this album are just proper depressing teenage angst, and I'm sure I still carry a little bit of that around with me. Um, but there's two, there's three songs. My favourite is called A Murder of One, which is the last song. Another is called Mr. Jones. I just didn't think it was appropriate to play that <laughs> right now. Um, so I've picked this song, Ranking, because I defy anybody listening to this for the next two minutes to stay in their chair. Okay, challenge accepted. you'll have very little kind of well you'll have a track or these tracks and you're a book and a luxury item what will you sort of salvage and bring for what my book my, yeah. my luxury item yeah. um oh. well i know i know what my luxury item okay be. okay i'll give you more time for your book you can tell I me can, i'll tell you what i got okay, for my luxury okay. item okay um i i, I, lo- I love cricket oh. i just love playing cricket uh, and uh, I love batting, although I never get the chance to bat. If Dr. Pullen is listening out there, mm. well, I, I need to bat higher up in the staff team, <laughs> I mean, Dr. Pullen, uh, but I never really get a chance. So I, I, I take with me a, a bowling machine. Oh. Okay. Now, I don't think you take the bowling machine. I just take the whole thing, so it'll be the net, the bowling machine. The okay, that's going to be quite a, yeah, okay, so quite a long I, shipping cost. Yeah, I accept it's more than one item, but I'm I'm kind of seeing the whole cricket as being one unit. So okay. I have this auto feed, so I should be able to hit cricket balls all day. Um, and what are you going to hit them with? 
Just what I'm assuming the cricket bat and pads are all, oh, they're all, they're all, it, okay. all in the net, you see. Okay. And then eventually, when I get rescued and I get brought back to England, it'll be an uh, A star cricket. Then I'll get on the pitch, I'll smash yeah. Dr. Pull around the pitch and See, I can bat, <laughs> I can. Um, and your book, the book, um, a lot of books I've always been influenced by. I remember reading To Kill a Mockingbird when I was about 11, I loved that, and then Papillon. Uh, Henri Charrier was an incredible book. Um, and I, uh, I, I love going to um, charity shops and just buying books. And most of my office is full of books. I have read most of them. But you also discover books that you wouldn't normally pick up. And I found two books. One of them, which I think is also Miss Boothman's favourite book, which is called Perfume by Patrick Suskind, uh, which is an incredible story of uh, a man with, a wonderful sense of smell. Uh, but I won't ruin, ruin it for I think it's credible. But um, Siddhartha by Herman Hesse, uh, I probably was the one I was, was the first book I'd read, and then as soon as I finished it, I started reading it again. And how old were you when you read that? Oh, like maybe probably about 18, 19. And what was it about that book that, what, what was the, I mean, without giving it away, but I mean, is there a core message? Yeah, there is. Uh, actually, uh, um, and it, it probably does tie in with my with my fifth and final track, in that there is an element of the human condition that's explored and the search for meaning, but also the life experiences we go through. And there's an element of there's a sexual element to it in terms of the young Siddhartha's search for meaning through life. I suppose a, a modern day equivalent uh, might well another equivalent might be the Alchemist by Paolo Coelho, mm. about where we eventually find our meaning. And have you eventually found your meaning? Uh, yeah, I suppose your your meaning doesn't exist somewhere in the future and doesn't exist exist somewhere in the past. Although some of the songs uh, have a personal sense of identity, um, your sense of meaning is 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 right now. And I remember reading about it and talking about it about living in the present i <laughs> feel as i've got to put a silly voice on when i'm doing that but there's an element of just enjoying where we are and even the ranking you know you the lyrics i'm alive i'm alive and he also says i belong anywhere but in between so you just got to find a place and just enjoy that so i'm grateful to be here um i'm loving having the opportunity to do this show i enjoyed I was hanging out with Mrs. Miller just before this, and I'm going to go and see her again afterwards. Um, I'm just grateful for that. And on a desert island, you'll have a lot of time to to just be grateful. Yeah, I'm generally happy in my, <laughs> in my own company there. <laughs> oh, Dr. Backer, it's been a it's been amazing to uh, hear your stories and hear your your tracks. And yeah, thank you so much for talking about them. And your fifth one, I know, we're going to roll out on that one, but, okay, if you want to talk more about your fifth one, go ahead and tell us why <laughs> about it. Uh, okay, this is quite a recent track, actually. Yeah, because this has changed. I was surprised because on yeah, your well, original, it, it, yeah. It's yeah, changed. because it's about being brave, really, when you come on a show. Amazing. Putting yourself out. Well, yeah. it, it is quite a dissection, this show. We like to pull our, our guests apart and find yeah. out all the... But I think a guest has got, got to be ready to do that. So, I, um. I was sort of was introduced to hip hop music, rap music at the when it was a big deal in the late eighties, early nineties, and bands like Public Enemy was quite making quite sort of um, 
uh, making rap music that was that was both controversial in its content, but also quite relevant to those experiences. And then it sort of moved on into the early 2000s to uh, ha- having um, sort of soul R&B and having, again, having more of a sort of sensual element to it. Um, and I think I'm finishing on this track because we always look at other people. I've talked about my parents and talked about my sister. I'm talking to you guys here. We just look at people as being entities. So that's my teacher. That's my parent. We never sort of look at them as human beings and with real feelings and sort of things that they love. It's a wonderful short story. My favorite short story is by Guy de Maupassant and it's called Regret. Uh, it's only like six pages long and it's, a, it's about an old couple thinking, talking about things that they, they could have done. But I like this song because it's talking to the deeper sensual part of, of you. And I was like a, uh, a song, which is what we used to call in the old days a booty song. <laughs> so this is Nights With You by Mo, released in 2017. Thank you so much, Dr. Bakra. <laughs>
Dr. Backer's sort of badass side of his sort of, um, I don't know, yeah, this is, tell us about this song, come on, Dr. Backer, you just explained to us while we've been off air, but talk, sure. talk more about it. I think you'll be left in a cliffhanger if we don't sort of explain it. Uh, well, look, I just think there are songs that like this that are a little bit about sort of losing control, about taking chances, about having that connection with somebody else, and it's that two people connection, it's that excitement about being with someone. I, I remember um, listening to, to, um, to the Earned It by The Weeknd or um, On Vogue or, and Salt, Salt and Pepper with, with What A Man. Um, Soul and R&B has a, a lot of this music. There are some sort of graphic rap, rap lyrics that I'm not a big fan of. Um, one of the love, things I love about working at Princeton is that it keep, kids keep you young. I was introduced to sort of grime and drill when I was running a boarding house, and I began saying, what, what on earth am I listening to? This is just garbage. To, to a point where you think, I actually understand why people in certain communities are making this sort of music. Um, I'm not a great fan of the appropriation of it, uh, of the gangsters that we've got here at Princeton, <laughs> but I can understand where it comes from. But this aspect that we just listened to from sort of R and B is speaks to more of our sort of sensual, even sexual nature. That's why I that's why I like it. Mm, and I think, yeah, being in a boarding house and you maybe you actually you hear all this sort of modern music and you actually realize actually no, it's not that bad and you actually quite like it in the end. Yeah. Well we all in the community we ought to grow towards each other and uh, I'm loving the fact that it, well, even my own boys play play songs from the fifties and sixties, and um, yeah, uh, Harry's got a pretty pretty decent. Oh, he's on. I hope he's not listening, but he's got a pretty decent playlist. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's all coming yeah. back in. Yeah. Oh well, anyway, we'll end it there. But thanks so much, Doctor Backer, and um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody, and have a good evening. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Pry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.